Space, the final frontier. These are the voyages of the starship Enterprise. Its five-year mission to explore strange new worlds, to seek out new life and new civilizations, to boldly go where no man has gone before. This is 30 Day Trek. I am your host, Luke Gannon, and in this first episode of the podcast series, we are starting in the first season of the original series, but not at the very beginning. We are setting off with The Squire of Gothos, which is an episode that's well-regarded, but not necessarily one of the go-to classic episodes of the first season. This is the one where, upon traversing a star desert, the Enterprise comes across a single inhospitable planet, save for a castle and the surrounding land. And after Kirk and Sulu are blinked off the Enterprise, the rescue party find them in said castle, along with the planet's only inhabitant, General Trelane, retired, who refers to himself as the Lonely Squire of Gothos. He is surrounded by war memorabilia from the Napoleonic era and is, for all intents and purposes, a fanboy of the human predilection towards war. He is also a godlike being who can change energy into matter and back again with thought and has captured the crew to have an audience. The rest of the episode is Kirk, Spock, McCoy, and the rest of the crew trying to outsmart and escape Trelane. This includes Kirk trying to get Trelane angry, which leads to one of my favorite moments from the original series. Don't be too upset by what you see, gentlemen. After all, his actions are those of an immature, unbalanced mind. I overheard that remark, Captain. I'm afraid I'll have to dispense with you. You only heard part of it. I've just started. Oh. Yes, I want you to leave my crewmen alone. I want you to leave my crew women alone, too. You know how to dance with them? I don't like it. Did it actually make you angry, Captain? I want you accepting his gifts, either. Captain, please don't. Why, I do believe that the dear Captain is jealous of me. I don't care what you believe. Just keep your hands off her. Oh, how curiously human. How wonderfully barbaric. I've had enough of your insulting attentions to her. Of course you have. After all, that's the root of the matter, isn't it? You fight for the attention, the admiration, the possession of women. If it's fighting that you want, you may have it. Are you challenging me to a duel? If you have the courage. Oh, this is better than I'd planned. I shall not shirk an affair of honor. A match set, just like the pair that slew your heroic Alexander Hamilton. And Captain, I never miss. And the episode culminates in a climax that anyone who has ever seen the Where No Fan Has Gone Before episode of Futurama would recognize. And when I saw this episode for the first time, that's when I made the connection and fell in love with it. Malvar, dinner time! Uh, but Mom, I'm playing with my collectibles! No! Uh. All this time we thought he was a powerful super being. Yet he was just a child. He's He's not not a a child. child. He's He's 34. 34. 
The Squire of Gothos is one of my favorite episodes of TOS. For me, it exemplifies the unique quality that the original series has and distills it down to its purest form. The writer of the episode, Paul Schneider, said that he was inspired to write the episode by seeing children playing war and wanted to make an anti-war themed episode. This fits in with the social commentary of the late 60s and the Vietnam War that was going on at the time. And seeing Trelane idolize war and the various military leaders throughout Earth's history, as well as him bowing to Sulu, Goose stepping to Jaeger, and referring to Uhura as a Nubian prize, it's clear that the show views Trelane and those like him with disdain. But while the intent and message of the episode is very clear, it's also an episode that is humorous and enjoyable. The aforementioned moment of Kirk slapping Trelane with an opera glove, and Trelane being excited at being challenged to a duel, is one of the funniest moments in the original series, and something that you would never see on any modern-day sci-fi show. It's a moment that could only exist on TV in the late 60s. William Campbell as Trelane is one of my favorite guest-starring roles in all of Trek. One can see him as a prototype for Q in The Next Generation, and in fact, one of the Star Trek books, Q Squared, retcons Trelane into the Q continuum. As for the main cast, it was great not only seeing Kirk, Spock, McCoy, Sulu, and Uhura in their prime at assessing the situation and thinking their way out of it, but also to see other crew members like DeSalle, Jaeger, and Yeoman Ross get involved as well. When you watch the Trek films and then go back to the original series, it's always a surprise to see other named crew members go on missions alongside the main cast and then recur throughout the series. It helps to lend believability to the world and that this is a ship with over 400 crew members. And at this point in the show, the series was already starting to remember itself and do callbacks, like when McCoy sees the stuffed salt vampire in Trelane's castle and does a double take. And when McCoy asks Spock if he doesn't find this fascinating, Spock replies, fascinating is a word I use for the unexpected. In this case, I should think interesting would suffice. And a part of me wonders if when Brian Fuller was developing Star Trek Discovery, he took the name of the ship from this episode since Kirk at one point says, notify the Discovery. This as well as small world-building details like how Yeoman Ross still hands out disposable cups of coffee to the bridge crew helps to ground the world of Star Trek and make it relatable while also being unique. Getting back to William Campbell as Trelane, this was definitely a case of the right actor for the part, although when it came to casting, while Gene L. Kuhn was pushing for him right away, the casting director of Joseph DaCosta wanted Roddy McDowell for the part. And while I can definitely see where he's coming from with McDowell, as soon as Campbell read for the role, he was cast after the first paragraph. And you can see the dedication Campbell had to Trelane on screen. During the scene when Trelane puts Kirk on trial and is in the judge's robes, initially Initially, he was supposed to be wearing a French powdered wig, but Campbell insisted that he be wearing the more accurate English barrister's wig. The production agreed, and while Shatner was annoyed by the production delay, it was the right decision. And then later on, while filming the sword fight scene in the forest, Campbell actually dislocated his shoulder and then popped it back into place. And while Campbell would later appear as the Klingon Koloth in The Trouble with Tribbles and then reprise the role in the DS9 episode Blood Oath, Trelane, I feel, is the most most memorable of his two roles in Star Trek. And one more bit of trivia for the episode. If you're wondering why when McCoy, DeSalle, and Jaeger beam down to the surface and are only wearing the tiny gas masks and not any kind of spacesuits, the answer lies in a memo from producer Bob Justman. If we transport McCoy, Jaeger, and DeSalle down to the surface of Gothos in the orange spacesuits that we used in The Naked Time, then the audience will take a full half hour to stop laughing from what our people look like, which is one of those things that when you know the realities of film and TV, production. Sometimes in situations like this, simplicity wins out. 
While the episode may not be on the shortlist of go-to episodes that are spoken reverently of when it comes to the original series, The Squire of Gothos is the episode that I point to as TOS distilled down to its purest form. High-minded while still being enjoyable, and at times downright cheesy in the best way, this episode is a favorite of mine, and one that I highly recommend to people who want to give Star Trek a try. And on two personal notes, one of the bits of Star Trek merchandise that I have is a Trelane figurine that I found at an antique store here in Winnipeg that, as soon as I saw it, I had to buy it. And last year on my birthday, I was given a Star Trek-themed birthday card that was signed by the people that I work with in the production office for Burden of Truth. And the image on the card was a still of Kirk, Spock, and McCoy from this episode. It was probably a coincidence that the person who made the card chose an image from this episode, but I like to think of it as kinsmith, that it was meant to be and that it's proof that I'm working with the best people. And I still have that card to this day and will never get rid of it. Tomorrow, we are covering another anti-war episode of the first season of the original series and meet one of the defining alien races of Star Trek for the first time. Live long and prosper, and also, live well. (laughs) 